you have your Bibles, turn with me, to, if you would, to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. <clears throat> I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. And I really want you to note verse 13 when we get to it, verse, beginning at verse 12 down through verse 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Verse 13. Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Father, we come before you today grateful for the Word of God, for the Spirit of God, and in need of the touch of God. Lord, right now, would you speak? This message may not be for everyone listening to this preacher, but it is for some folks in this room and listening online. And God, I pray that you would deposit your Word into the soil of their soul. They would hear the Word of God and receive it with gladness. It would make a difference and bring transformation. We give you praise, glory, and honor for these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Stuck. <laughs> Ever felt stuck? Stuck on the side of the mountain. In the life of every Christian, every single Christian, there are ups and downs. There are mountains and valleys. There are times of need times of plenty. We go from living in this world of sin to pursuing a life filled with the very best that God our Father has to offer us. We call it from the Bible, abundant life. That's what Jesus came to do, was to give us life and life 
more abundantly. Oh, but often there are ruts in the road, sharp and unexpected curves, places of detour that leave us questioning God's plan for our life. And what about those times of waiting, waiting for days and weeks? God, we've got to see you. God, we've got to hear you. Months go by. It stretches into years sometimes. And we're wondering what in the world is going on. Seasons of no movement, no action. The voice of the Spirit is silent. The heavens are brass. And if we're not careful, we make moves just so there is some activity. And then we find that when we make moves, because the heavens were silent, that we make a bigger mess than what we already had in our present circumstances. The man is Joshua. Up to this moment, to this text, this man has been strategically and powerfully used. In one place, he is Joshua the commander. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 9. He is selected by Moses to commandeer an army to fight against Amalek. It was right in his wheelhouse. He was born to be a warrior. And while Moses held up his hands on the top of the hill overlooking the conflict, Joshua led the Israelites in the conquest of the nation of Amalek. He was, in fact, a very successful commander in the military of the nation of Israel. Then we see later that Joshua takes on a different role. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, he is referred to as Joshua the servant. He is referred to as a servant of Moses. What that leads me to believe based upon culture and time and the Word of God the implications that are present is that wherever you found Moses, you found Joshua by his side serving Moses. It's implied that Joshua was inseparable from Moses. And the only exception to that was on one occasion when Moses was coming out of the tabernacle and he had experienced the glory of God. He had been in the glory of God and he was leaving the tabernacle to go to his own tent. And at that moment, the scripture said, which I find to be fascinating, that as Moses went to his own tent and returned to his own dwelling place, Joshua stayed outside of the tabernacle near the glory of God while Moses went to his own place. But other than that one event, Joshua mostly stayed near Moses. He, he, his whole mission was to serve Moses as he was serving God. In our present text, the time has come for the greatest revelation of God's glory and majesty to the leaders of Israel. He has called Moses and, and Aaron and her and the 70 elders of Israel. 
And, and the scripture says the top of Mount Sinai has become a billowing cloud of smoke because the Lord has descended upon the top of that mountain in a blaze of fiery glory. And the scripture tells us that Moses, the leader, the leader of the whole nation, and Aaron, the high priest, the spiritual leader of the whole nation, and then his sons, Nadab and Abihu, who are also of the priesthood, 70 elders that are uh, significant people in leadership in the nation, they ascend this great mountain called Sinai. In the verses prior to what we read today in Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 11, they saw God in a glorious encounter. The scripture says that God of Israel appeared and under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the King James says, the body of heaven in his clearness. It was such a powerful vision and encounter and experience for all of the leadership of the nation of Israel. And the scripture says not only did they have that encounter, but the Bible says they did sit down and they ate and they drank in the presence of God with each other. Oh, what a glorious mountaintop moment. What a taste of the Shekinah glory of heaven. Who wouldn't have wanted more? I go to the New Testament briefly and tell you that when Jesus was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah appeared in the New Testament, what was it Peter said? He said, oh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us dwell here and, and build three tabernacles, and we'll just abide here. Why? Because once you tasted of the glory of God and the presence of God in a powerful way. Oh, it just makes you want more. I believe that's what the psalmist meant when he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And may I submit to you that once you have tasted of the goodness and the, and the presence and the person of Jesus Christ, it will be a so fulfilling that nothing in this world can compare to it. And can I tell you, B, it will leave you wanting more of his goodness and his presence and his person. It's important to note, though, that during this encounter or after this encounter's over, that, that God calls out to Moses and he says, I want you to come up further to me. I want you to come to the zenith of the mountain. I want you to come to the peak of the mountain. And so Moses dispatches Aaron and her and the 70 elders to take care of the people of the nation while he goes and is alone with God. For the Bible tells us then that Moses goes to be in the splendor of God at the peak of the mountain and the elders and the priests descend to the bottom of the mountain where the nation is and from that the inference is and it's very much a, a proven inference that Joshua somewhere is stuck at the halfway point of the mountain. A mountain that is 6,000 feet in its, in its height and the, all of the leaders have gone back to the base where the nation is. Moses the man of God, the leader of the nation is up in the zenith at the 6,000 foot mark at the 
the very top at the peak of the mountain, and somewhere Joshua is on the side of the mountain. Now this is important. Envision with me what's happening with Moses. He's at the peak of the mountain. The first thing, he is receiving the law directly from God. He is receiving the Ten Commandments. And the scripture says, and I love this, that God took tablets of stone and he wrote the commandments with his own finger. I find that to be fascinating. He's given Moses the law of God, but he's not only given him the law of God, he's laying out the economic plan for the whole nation. Over the next several chapters, he, he lays out the economy, the financial structure of this traveling nomadic nation and how it would all work. He lays out the law. He lays out the, the economy for the nation. And then what I find to be equally as fascinating is that he also receives the blueprints of the tabernacle that would house the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant that represented the very presence of Jehovah God a sacred piece of furniture and now he is getting the instructions on how to construct it how to build the tabernacle this would house the presence of God Almighty but let me take it a step further because not only is he given the instructions on how to build the tabernacle but we know from going over to the book of Hebrews that not only did he get the instructions but he was given a vision let me tell you what Hebrews 8, 5 says. It says Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. See, saith God, that you make all things according to the pattern that was shown you in the mountain. Well, praise the Lord. He's getting the law from God. He's getting the economic plan for the nation from God. And God gives him specific instructions and literally shows him a vision of of a tabernacle pattern that is in heaven. Can I tell you to be very clear? There is a tabernacle somewhere in heaven that was shown to Moses so he would build the one on earth exactly like the one he was shown in heaven. Let me just stop here and say, wow, wow, wow. How I would have loved to have been a part of that. How would I, what a vision. What a glorious vision. But what I want to share with you today, and it's important for you to hear, is that while Moses bathed in the glory, Joshua waited in the dark. While Moses heard the voice of God, Joshua waited in silence. While Moses existed near the fire of God, Joshua slept in the cold. While Moses received revelation, Joshua remained unenlightened at the 3,000 foot halfway up the mountain, on the side of a mountain. The people are all down at the base. Moses is at the peak. And for the next 40 days, Joshua would be stuck on the side of a mountain. He would not experience. There would be no fire. There would be no cloud. There would be no glory. I begin to wonder what's going on in his mind. Ten days has passed and nothing has happened. Twenty days has passed 
and he hasn't heard from anyone below, and he hasn't heard from Moses who is above. Now, in the meantime, this is important, all this time that is happening, the people start to wonder about Moses, and they start to corrupt the priesthood. And the scripture says, at all this time it's going on, suddenly some partying and revelry has begun at the foot of the mountain of Sinai. A golden calf has been erected. There's laughter and there's music and there's sinning and idolatry, no doubt dancing and immorality and cravings of lust are being fed as at the base of the mountain the people of Israel, the chosen people of God, the people that had seen God deliver them through ten miraculous plagues, the people of God that had seen him provide quail and manna in the wilderness, the people of God that had seen him bring water from a rock and sweeten bitter waters that were terribly contaminated, the people of God that had seen the Lord work miracle after miracle, suddenly their sin, their lust take over, and not only are they corrupted, but they corrupt Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel, and they're all of a sudden in this open rebellion and idolatry. So what you have is, you have Moses in the glory at the top of the mountain. You have the rest of Israel in a sin-filled festival at the base of the mountain, and then you have Joshua who is stuck on the side of a mountain. There's a God fire at the top of the mountain. There's an idol fire at the base of the mountain. And Joshua is alone in the dark on the side of the mountain with no fire at all. Some of the people that I'm talking to this morning, you may very well feel this way. You may feel a lot like Joshua. You may feel like Brother Joe is fulfilled and Sister Sally is mightily used and blessed and it seems like they're always on the mountaintop. You look at your brothers and sisters and they glow with the joy of the Lord and it just doesn't seem like they have the challenges going on that you do. And sometimes you feel like ministry's not happening. Sometimes you feel like life has been stuck in neutral, like you're on the side of a mountain like Joshua. Or maybe, just maybe, you're stuck on the side of the mountain and you're very much like the psalmist who groaned at the party and the prosperity of the wicked at the base of the mountain around the golden idol. I'll be the first to tell you, sometimes I've looked at the wealth of the wicked. I've looked at the prosperity of the unrighteous. And as I plod through one challenge after another, and I keep seeing the neighbors are driving up in the latest model cars, and they're living in the fancier houses, and they're, they're wearing the nicer clothes, and they seem promotion after promotion seems uh, to happen. Uh, to them and, and, and while they're going through all of that prospering and they don't even serve the Lord and love the Lord I continue to deal with one bill after another bill and after another bill and, and one sudden thing one, one more car repair one more setback one more health malady and it just seems like I can't get ahead it just seems like you can't make any progress and it just seems like you're stuck on the side of the mountain. You're spinning your wheels in this Christian walk and you don't have any traction.
addiction. And oh, it can really play games with your mind. Come on, somebody in the house today. It can really mess with you because you know that, boy, they seem to be really blessed of the Lord, those children of God. And and, and those heathen down there, they seem to be having a a, a great time and they're partying and and they're loving life. And it just seems like they're living it up and, and reveling in the good things that are in the world. And what is happening to me? I'm stuck on the side of the mountain. There is no fire of God right now. The heavens are brass right now. I can't seem to hear from the Lord what God is going to do in my life. You begin to ask the question, what can be happening over that 40-day period? What is taking place on the side of the mountain in the man named Joshua? And let me tell you what is taking place in him. Simply put, strength and character and fortitude and endurance are being built into the man of God at the halfway mark. At the 3,000 foot level of the mountain during this 40 day period, God is doing something inside of him. Something that he didn't do in him as a commander. Something he didn't do in him as a servant. Something he needed to do when he would put him on a shelf on the side of a mountain where he would just stay still in the presence of Almighty God. Let me tell you, some of Joshua's conquest, let me preach to you for a little bit, because in his future, Joshua's chapter 6 would tell us about his faith, his faith of seven days of marching the nation around Jericho's walls until they fell down flat. It was their massive first victory in the promised land. His his confidence, his, his confident obedience One time he told the priest when they were about to go into the promised land. He said, I want you to hoist the Ark of the Covenant on your shoulders and I want you to step into Jordan's riverbed. It doesn't matter that it's overflowing all of its banks. It doesn't matter that it's at flood stage. I want you to be obedient to the Lord because I've got confidence that God is with us. They walk, they step, put their big toe into the flowing banks and as they walk the presence of God into the Jordan River, the scripture tells us that he parted the Jordan River so that every single soul could walk across on dry land. Notice his character. When a nation called Gibeah, they deceived him because they were to destroy all nations. Every nation in the promised land, they were to destroy them, annihilate them. Don't let them stay. Don't let them exist. It would later become a snare because they wouldn't follow through on every nation. But there was one particular nation called Gibeah, and they decided they knew that this nation of Israel was destroying every nation in its path. And so they deceived Joshua and dressed like they were nomads. They deceived him into a peaceful uh, covenant and and even though they originally were supposed to be destroyed. Well, when when he initially met them, he didn't realize he wasn't discerning and he missed it that they were literally neighbors. They pretended they were people from afar off. But he was a man of character. He was a man of character. And so he spoke his word and he kept his covenant and they became his servants. As a matter of fact, not only were they his servants, but if you'll look later, when they were under attack from other nations, the Bible says that Joshua marched all night to honor the covenant to protect this nation. And 
he, in his prayer, he commanded the sun to stand still in its course in the valley of Ijalon while he fought against five Canaanite kings for a whole extra day. God gave him 24 more hours. He needed 24 more hours. God gave him 24 more hours. I'm telling you, he had faith. He had obedient confidence. He had character. He had a fortitude about him and determination. There was not one recorded in the Bible that I'm aware of that won as many battles uh, for the people of God as Joshua did. The scripture said he never turned to the right, he never turned to the left, but he did all that God commanded him to do. And I asked the question this week, where did Joshua learn all of this? Did he learn it when he was a servant of Moses? Did he learn it when he was a commander of Moses? I submit much he learned when he was on the dark side of a mountain for 40 days where he was alone waiting on God in the dark and in the cold. I feel like I'm preaching to someone. There's some stuck folks that are in the house today. You're children of God. There's no doubt about your Christianity, but something's going on. I don't know if it's the workplace. I don't know if it's a family situation, but you came to the house of God and it seems like you can't get ahead. You can't make any progress. I'm telling you, it's during seasons like that that God does some of his greatest spiritual work inside of us. Don't despise the season of waiting, even if you feel stuck on the side of a mountain. Roger Daniel, one of my favorite Bible teachers, talking about that 40-day period. Listen. He said, God's work on the summit was for the present, but God's work on the side of the mountain was for the future. God's work on the top of the mountain focused on covenant, but God's work on the side of the mountain focused on future conquest. The glory of God was revealing on the top of the mountain, but the darkness of God was preparing the future leader on the side of the mountain. At the 3,000-foot level on the dark side of the mountain, servants are being made into generals that will one day shout down walls of cities, part rivers even during overflowing, and speak to the sun to stand still. <laughs> Glory be to God. On the dark side of the mountain, a man learns to listen for God so that one day when Joshua stands in the valley of Ajalon in great conflict, God will listen to Joshua and the sun will stop in its tracks until victory is won for God's people. You're here. Don't despise those dark sides of the mountains. That last days and weeks and months and even years. Because it's during those times 
that God is preparing you for great and mighty things. God may be getting some junk out. God may be filling you and you don't even realize he's filling you after he's emptied you. I don't know, Brother Dwight, when Moses' time was done, he prayed and God's spirit that was upon Moses was transferred to Joshua. Maybe, Sister Mary Ann, the side of the mountain, those 40 days in the cold, was to empty him of all the junk so, so he could be ready for the impartation of the Spirit. How do you know, Pastor? How do you know he stayed on the side of the mountain? Well, about eight chapters later, when Moses and Joshua were coming down the mountain, they heard a sound of revelry at the base of the mountain. That tells me, that confirms to me, that he didn't go down with Aaron and the leaders who corrupted themselves. And he wasn't present at the peak when Moses was in the glory. Listen, I'm getting ready to wrap up, but I want you to listen to me. This is important. When you're in that season, I was in that season personally. And it can stretch into years. There was a the spiritual man that gave me two verses. I'll never forget it. They became lifelines to me. One scripture was 1 Peter 5 and 10. And it says, but the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, shall perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Somebody say praise God. He gave me a second verse, and it was Psalms 27 and 14. And it simply said these words. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Oh, I just felt a check in my spirit. You've come to the house of God, and you know God wants you to wait, but you're about to put something in motion, and the Spirit of the Lord has just quickened me to tell you when you don't know which way to go, right or left, front or back up, you just stand still, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Be careful, child of God, that you don't just do something to create activity because you're tired of waiting. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not 
be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You will be victorious. Wait upon the Lord. Don't be envious of the Moseses in your life that are at the top in the glory. Moses waited 40 years before he stood on holy ground. Pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, you may want to climb a little higher. You may need to wait in the dark a little longer. None of us need to return to the base to dance with the golden calf. Whatever you do, don't return to the golden calves of this world. I'm stuck, preacher. I'm stuck. I'm at the halfway mark. I know God is speaking to some hearts because some of you have shared with me over the last several months. But let me remind you that Joseph had his pits and his prisons. Let me remind you that even though the majority of the New Testament is written by the glorious man of God named the Apostle Paul, you go back and you study and you will discover that he spent a large portion of his Christian life on the shelf and the church continued on. He wasn't always at the front line of everything that was happening in the early church. There was times that, that Paul the apostle disappeared off the scene. When he got converted, he, he didn't just go from the back of a donkey where he was struck blind, healed of blindness, and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. He didn't just go from there to start preaching. The Scripture tells us he went three and a half years into the Arabian desert, just him and God. God put him on the shelf after he converted him. From 12 to 30, for 18 solid years, we have no idea what was happening in the life of Jesus. Amen. I've known life on the shelf. I've known life on the shelf for a whole year. I have, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I have a, I have a five and a half year period of full-time pastoring that was one battle and one conflict after another, and I am telling you, I have scratched my head many times over the reasoning behind our time in that place. I'm just being honest. I have to remind myself of the old song, and we'll understand it better by and by. That doesn't comfort me. Maybe it does in certain applications, but not in that application. But it was our side of the mountain. It was our 3,000 foot level. 
It wasn't to the peak in the glory, but it wasn't. We were determined. It was not back to the sin-filled world at the base. I don't understand everything God is doing. You don't understand everything God is doing. But don't create activity. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Don't you create activity just for activity's sake. Bow your heads with me if you would. While we bear one another's burdens. I can't take some of your pain. I certainly can't take it away. And all I can do is share with you the best I can in the emotion of it. If you're here today and you're at the bottom of the mountain and you're worshiping your man-made idols, and yet you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, to begin a journey with Jesus to all that God has for you. Today is the day of your salvation. But just as sure as I'm standing behind this very sacred desk, there are believers that are here with questions. They are stuck on the side of the mountain. They're in the cold. They feel like they're in the dark. The heavens are brass. They don't feel God. They don't sense Him. There is a draw to return to the base, to find some comfort in the idols of this world. My Lord and my God. You're here, and you're just going to be frank and honest blatantly transparent. You are tired of waiting. You're tired of suffering. But I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of God to keep waiting another day. And while you're waiting, say, God, give me strength from heaven. You're here and you're suffering. You're suffering. I don't know what kind of suffering it is. There's all kinds of suffering. You're suffering as a mother. You're suffering as a wife. You're suffering, you're suffering in your body. You're suffering from the past. You're just suffering. You're a child of God, but you're suffering. You're suffering. Hold on, child of God. For the first moment in his presence, the present sufferings of this world are nothing to be compared with the first moment in his glorious presence. Today could be the day, though. Today could very well be the day. It doesn't mean you stop asking, you stop seeking, you stop knocking. You keep doing that. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes 
The answer is delayed. But delay does not mean denial. Delay just means that. God's going to answer your your prayer. He's going to give you direction. In, In His time, keep waiting upon the Lord. Just say, preacher, I, I, I have more questions than I do answers, and I, I need to hear from God. I desperately need to hear from God. I desperately need strength. I don't know if I can wait another day unless He touches me. This is not for everybody in the room, but it is for a group of folks in the room. And I, don't, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to be honest. Nobody's questioning your Christianity, but you're just stuck. I'm just stuck, preacher, on the side of a mountain. Maybe today would be the day you would get your answer. Maybe today would be the day that your suffering would cease. Ask and you shall receive that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way. (laughs) Who are you? Get up right now. Who are you? Get up right now. Come on, quickly. Come on, quickly. Maybe one, ten, a hundred people in this room. I don't know. I know this is not for everyone. There's some people stuck on the side of a mountain this morning. You need to be obedient. You need to be transparent. Say, I need answers, God. I need strength, God. If you only knew the heartache of your brothers and sisters, there wouldn't be a soul standing up here that would be praying by themselves. Whether you know their circumstances or not, please don't let them. Please don't let them seek for answers and wait for strength and do it by themselves. Come on. Come on, godly brothers and sisters. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Still some folks standing here. They need somebody behind them. Come on. Come on, quickly. just don't know. Spirit-filled saints, I need you. I need you. You're praying for answers. You're praying for strength. You're believing right now. You're believing right now. Supernatural strength is coming. 
that answers are on their way. Oh, Lord. Say, stretch your hand this direction. Come on, this is your family. This is your family. This is your family. I don't know if it's answers or strength, but this morning she feels like she's stuck on the side of a mountain. While others are bathing in the glory and the world is reveling at the base, she feels like she's stuck. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Enemy, what you intend for destruction, God's going to turn it for good. Touch and guide and direct. God, we need answers. We need strength. Only you can provide it, Lord. We feel like Joshua today. We feel like Joshua today, like we're just stuck. We can't get no traction. <laughs> Jesus, I can't get no traction. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I ask you to help me today. I stand in your presence. I simply believe. I believe. I believe.